want to check us out on all of our social media platforms on Twitter at tinfoilhatcast, reddit.com backslash r backslash tinfoilhatshow, on Instagram at tinfoilhatpod, or allcomedytshirts.com, email us at tinfoilhatpod at gmail.com. What's up, good looking? Yeah, man, that's what I am. Welcome back to another episode of Tinfoil Hat. Tinfoil Hat. Tinfoil Hat. Come with me into the waters of conspiracy with Sam Tripoli. Sam Tripoli. Sam Tripoli. Sam Tripoli. Mr. Sam Tripoli. Sam Tripoli. With my friend Ryan Davis. Uh, hi, Ryan. We're the like the first gay couple of conspiracy yeah. theories. I think it's beautiful, man. <laughs> I love their partner. Say that again. Dark realm, crazy shit. Wake up, Aaron. There's reptile people everywhere. Hey, man, where's hey, the truth there, dog? Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Are you ready to get your mind blown? Revolution will be podcasted. Yes. Yes, second verse. Same as the first. How are you guys? Welcome to Tinfoil Hat. You know who we are. You know what we're here to do. How are you off the grid? Well, good. This is the second time we started. We said a bunch of illegal shit beforehand, so we're continuing with the try to. Look at Ryan's hair flowing. Look at that. That is the sun. Look at that hair. It's so good, dude. Should we announce the uh, the January? We haven't locked it down yet, have we? No, no, no. Oh, okay, okay. Let's, let's look at the fucking hair. He's so flowing. Give him that herbal essence. You know they love it. You know they love it. Guys, oh, look at that. God, they love that shit. I feel like I'm going through a car wash. Um, how are you guys? Uh, welcome to a wonderful episode, Tinfoil Hat. I want to thank you all for all your kind and loving comments on YouTube. Really enjoy going in there and hearing how much you guys love the show and you love me. And I'm high on drugs with Parkinson's. So thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, a lot of amazing things going on on the Patreon, guys. We are getting so close Woo. to the Magic 500. Three more people. But it's got to be there on the 1st oh, on the September. First. Yeah, on the 1st of September, we got that 500 people, and Ryan will go to a furry convention. I will become a furry. It'll I will become, convert oh, to furryism. Oh, it's a lifestyle? Yeah, now? I will be a deep Wahhabi, like full on. Only people I hang out with will be in furry outfits. Dude, much respect to you and your lifestyle choice, okay? I love this. So, guys, three more people. Go to Patreon. We're putting out some amazing things. Uh, we're going to do one this week. Crank it out. I got an interesting guest who wants to come on. So that's that. The T-shirts. Boom. More T-shirts are coming. Guys, grab the T-shirts. Ryan's got a bunch of new ones he's ready to put out. Mm-hmm. Ryan's killing it at the design. Holla at your boy. Look at that. For life. Temple hat for life. Anything else we got? Oh, yeah, we do. Look at that, everybody. (laughs) Well, first of all, September 5th, the Tinfoil Hat Comedy Night will be live at the Belly Room upstairs September 5th at 8 o'clock. Eddie Bravo, off the grid. Myself, plus some... Oh, Theo Vaughn has been added to the lineup. So we're going to do some stand-up, and then we're going to sit down and break down, take your questions on all the different conspiracies that will sell out but the big one is put the flyer back up september 14th and 15th live at the corner comedy club in niagara falls canada 
two shows, 7.30 and 10. I've already been told tickets are selling quickly. Grab them. Eddie Bravo, myself. This guy can't make it because he's not allowed in Canada. Or Australia. Or Australia, and most likely China as well. So, guys, go grab those tickets. Myself, Eddie Bravo. Half an hour comedy for both of us with a half an hour of just Q&A with our Canadian friends and those Canadian ladies with their shiny skin. I don't know if you know that. So get it. Guys, Texas is coming as well. We got Texas. We got Philadelphia October 14th. That's all coming. Those dates will be out. We're coming near you, homeboy. We're going to go deep, dropping truth bombs on these unsuspecting fools. Bring the ladies. They make the night much better. Joining us... Here in studio is a friend of mine. I've known him for a very long time, but lately we've been talking a lot because we're both kind of in the truth world. We're both kind of battling uh, political correctness. You almost said life. I like that. We battle life? <laughs> yeah, you're like, we almost battle life. Dude. Yeah, we do battle life, life dude. Uh, he had a show on the Food Network, Ginormous Food. Uh, please welcome my good friend, Josh Denny, everybody. Hey. Josh, tell us a little about, about your podcast. Uh, I have a podcast called The Implications of Josh Denny, where I uh, I basically take uh, I, I'll, I'll talk. It's sort of like conspiracy a little bit. I talk a little. I just have these sort of outrageous theory statements that I'll make, and then my guest usually has to defend it or argue it. Um, and and ultimately, like the descriptor says, it, it ends up with us coming up with the worst possible solutions to the world's problems. Yeah, maybe that's what we need. <laughs> More out of the box, set the world. Sometimes you just want to watch the world burn. Yeah, the- I, I, it's kind of like Carlin said in his. He said, you know, where he turned the corner as a comedian is when he stopped giving a shit about the outcome. And I feel like that's that's where you inevitably get pushed as a comic, where you just go like, ah, you know. I think you and I have gone through similar paths in our careers where you go like, oh, do I want to do I want to be the guy who says all the right things, does all the right things, stays employed? And then you try it <laughs> and then you realize that that doesn't guarantee that you're going to stay employed either. So then you have this crisis of consciousness of do I do I stay true to myself and talk about the things that I care about and I want to talk about or that matter to me and do the kind of art that I like and comedy that I like or you know, do I just become another one of these people not trying to piss people off? And I, I don't know. I don't think I could ever do the latter. Uh, I am in the truth game. I'm in the honesty game. I get. I love when crowds get quiet and true stories. Yeah. I did a gig. About, I did a story about the time I did a stand up for a room full of special people, and how they got. You know, like and people get quiet. And I'm like, why are you getting mad at this true story? Do you not like to hear about truth? And truth has become a niche now. It's a niche. Isn't that weird? It's so weird. Isn't um, And why did you want to do comedy in the beginning? Wasn't that the point? That's always interesting. I think everybody starts... I'll tell you, everybody starts coming for a different reason, but none of those reasons are ever to make money. I've never heard a young comic go, man, I just want to make all the money. They always are, I just want to be famous. I just want to be like this comic. I want I want to bang all the chicks or whatever that reason <laughs> is. You know, but very rarely is it I want to make all the money. At some point it becomes about making all the money. Yeah. And the the desire to play the game. And when you do play the game, 
uh, one of two things happens to you. You know, there's a couple outcomes. It's like two of them, which is like, okay, it works out and you hit the way you think. Or you don't hit and you become super bitter on a, fu- on a, uh, a fuck carnival cu- cruise yeah. doing comedy that you just is ki- killing your soul. Yeah, I mean, the, the wanting to do it to get rich thing, I could never even fathom as a, as a motivator for me because I made great money before. I, I like had a career where I made six figures a year. When I first moved here, I still had that job. And I remember having a conversation with the improv like when I first met you and you were just like, dude, what are you doing with a job? Like you're here in L.A. Dude, like commit like go to do, like do comedy like My what are you apologies. doing uh, yeah yeah <laughs> but no but i mean you're right it got to a point where I, was, I, I i i hit a level in my corporate career where it was like if i want to go further and become like a cfo or a ceo I, i've got to give up comedy because it, ultimately all the things that ended up happening professionally because of comedy i saw coming down the line like eventually the comedy side is going to get too big to where you're going to start showing up to work and people are going to be like hey i saw this thing you did the other day and and then you've got to defend uh yeah that's called sarcasm yeah like i don't actually think that about latino people all of my latino employees you fucking idiots (laughs) like it's so, you know, it's one of those like you said something sexist on a podcast and you have women that work for you. Yeah, no shit. It's called comedy. Like, yeah. like this idea that now we have to like we have to own comedy as if it's a manifesto. Like I remember one of the first shows you and I did together, uh, Chris Neff was on that show and he went into this like fucking seven minute bit about rape. And this one he comes off stage and this woman's like reading him the riot act and he goes, it's fucking jokes, lady. Like, do you think I'm coming off the stage, like, grabbing the first bitch I see and reenacting this entire right, thing? Right, right, right. Uh, probably wasn't good for him to say bitch to her. And then and then the crazy thing is, is he actually... When was that? Then when she wasn't looking, he grabbed her. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, this was like 2000 and 2010, maybe? Yeah. You know, yeah. I just did uh, uh, my other podcast, Patreon, and halfway through, we, and me, I ended up screaming at everybody <laughs> because they brought up the James Gunn and the, oh, the kitty stuff. And uh, I go, listen, the jokes themselves are fine. But when you set a precedence of everybody super sensitive about homophobia, racism, and sexism, uh, and then you're going to tell me that pedophilia is just a joke. Yeah. While you've like destroyed people's lives over the N-word and all that other stuff. But now having sex with kids, it's just, come on. These now are that's, just jokes. That's the lo- Yeah, now, now that's the one we want to defend. Well, it's interesting because there are a lot of my friends that are on the right that, you know, will have conversation about these things like the James Gunn thing when it comes up. And they go, man, I would love to defend these guys. But they are part of the problem. Like a dude like James Gunn. James Gunn, by the way, weighed in on my Twitter controversy in May. Really? Like commented on it. Was like, if you think comparing racism towards white people is like it used to be towards black people, you're fucking retarded or something like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and well, so. Let's get into your controversy. Yeah. Too, and so. No, but but then so when it comes for him and, and I've said this to everybody all along, I go, listen. You can talk shit about my comedy. You can talk shit about my opinions. But know this. This fucking snowball is coming for everybody. And unless you take a stand against it and and you're one of the people like us who says, listen, everything is on the table as far as talking about comedy or sharing ideas or speaking truth. And um, if you stand in the way of that, you're going to get swallowed up by it, too, at some point. Yeah. Even if you think you're one of the good guys, which was right. James Gunn's situation. Well, James Gunn's situation is like you shouldn't be doing jokes 
about pedophilia when your friend is arrested and convicted for kiddie porn. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. here's my whole point. It's like, those jokes alone, let's say the Me Too and the racism and people losing their jobs didn't happen and James Gunn is doing these jokes, would I defend him? Yes. Yeah. But within this world of where I hear he comes after you, why would I defend this person? Well, it's it's a, my problem with Patton Oswalt. Yeah. It's like, stop getting on a soapbox and telling everybody how you should act and treat other people and then blatantly in... And everything's context. Don't sit there and fucking mock Roseanne and about child sex fucking trafficking. Right. Literally, that is the context that we are talking about in which you were like, everything's context. Right. And everybody wants to ignore context when it serves their agenda. Yeah. And they want you to care about context when it helps them. Yeah. It's just like, listen, to me, you're either a principled person or you're not. I, I've never one thing I know I can say without a fucking question in my mind is I've never gone after another comedian or director or filmmaker or anything about the content of what they do. I've never said, like, well, that's questionable. Like, that's questionable judgment to think that that's funny. I have a show called The Darkest Hour. I don't think anything is off the table in terms of what you can make funny. That's the challenge. Right. That's the challenge of being a comic and being a good comic right. is can you take something horrible and make it funny? And that's – I mean I, I'm interested in that kind of shit. That I think that's what makes human beings interesting. And that's – to me, that's what separates great comedians from shitty comedians. Like if, if comedians just go up and talk about – boring everyday run-of-the-mill shit like i I, i'd want to kill myself that doesn't interest me at all well Well, i'm glad you mentioned carlin because i always wonder i'm like what would carlin think of his of his people nowadays like what would he think of comedians well i think and the funny thing is a lot of comedians when you bring up carlin they go carlin was a staunch democrat he'd hate everything you're against i don't think so man i don't i think if carlin were alive today he'd be the leader of the alt-right I mean, like, really? when, yeah, when you look at the way he viewed mm. he he hated institutions and he hated groups, but he hated, he hated I don't think I think he'd be a Ronin, dude. Yeah, he yeah. might be libertarian. Yeah, but maybe. he probably would be conservative in his ways of thinking. He always was about that. Well, was, you know, yeah, bullshit. He had low levels of bullshit. Well, he was anti-establishment. Yeah. And now the establishment is censorship and, and identity politics and outrage. And, and outrage. Both yeah. And sides so, are, are have lost their minds. Yeah, right? I agree. And we're going to get into the censorship stuff because I think you know this is the big thing with Alex Jones but I mean make no doubts about I get that you know this podcast that Ryan and I do is not down the middle it's we have no side because I don't believe in life is black and white I believe it's gray and it bleeds together and therefore taking a, a hard stance on every issue from the right or the left you're just blinded well then, one, once it becomes about teams and that's the thing that sucks about this debate is it's become about teams so like you can't defend a guy like gun because he's on the other team you I, know, can, as, I would defend gun if if there wasn't this precedent yeah. that he is going after you he's been a part even of even though yeah. that he picked a side or right that's what him. i mean that's what i mean and so or if you knew him, like how often do like we say, do you defend people that are, you don't even know? You know, like Chris Hardwick, I defended because I looked at what was going on. I go, this woman's offered no fucking evidence, and all these people. Isn't it funny that she said I have evidence, and he said, okay, well here's my receipts, and she didn't produce shit, nothing, nothing. Hey, and I'm just saying for me as a fan of comedy and a podcaster, not these two comedians. Everyone that was, uh, you know, there for Hardwick, everyone from the UCB, everyone from Largo, everyone from the little alt rooms, where are they now? It's just lunatics, that crazy guys that barely were on the outskirts of his life that are like speaking up like this guy's been thrown 
and they, they're going to bring him back. Supposedly, his shows. They did. He got two yeah. Everything's back. reinstated. But I imagine it's because of outrage like this. It would have taken a lot of people being like, yeah. Well, what's interesting to me, and I, I was talking about this with another guy who's dealing with the censorship, uh, Gavin McGinnis, and he, he brought up an interesting point. He said, a lot of what this outrage is, is untalented people trying to bring those having success down to their level by changing the rules. Yes. So they're saying, well, if we take all these topics off the table, if you can't make fun of women, you can't make fun of gay people, you can't make fun of any minorities, then basically what we're doing is we're removing the ability to perform in the medium from these people that are already having a great deal of success. For and sure. if we if we muddy the waters with more mediocrity, then that legitimizes me, who is a very mediocre, shitty comedian. And For sure. And a fictitious person well, I'm talking make about. Make no doubts about it. Is uh, There's political correctness is just trying to push white guys out of the equation and it sounds <laughs> stupid but it's really true because when you take a look at it like when you say you can't make fun of this can't that's not true at all you can't if you're black you just absolutely rip black yeah. people oh sure to fucking shreds yeah I, i'm not gonna say what i watched but i watched something on comedy central the other day that was the equivalent of what they call buck dancing have you ever heard of buck dancing oh yeah and it's probably one of the most offensive terms out there but what i watched was so lowbrow stupid i was embarrassed for everybody involved in it and i love the people on the show but that was white people going they can do that because they're that race yeah it's, it's you're it's not a golden rule man well the thing that i don't like about these rules either is it takes away the nuance of individuality right so what what I always say, which makes a great comedian, the only way you can kind of stay good and original is to talk about yourself, to talk about your own life, your own experiences. Because if you're talking about just general day-to-day observations, there's so many comedians now, you're just going to be doing the same kind of jokes. So my life is riddled with instances of race, accidental racism, accidental shit. I have a Middle Eastern girlfriend. I grew up in Philadelphia. When I was a kid, my mom was one of the few white women brave enough to date a black dude in the early 90s in a predominantly black area. And so if I'm going to be true to myself and I'm going to talk about my life experiences, then it's, it's somebody whose lens is shaped by that kind of shit. And that's the way I see the world. When I see people doing stereotypical things, that's where comedy hits me. Like when I see an Asian woman cut me off in traffic, like most people do, you're like, come on, man. Yeah. Like you're doing the thing. You're doing the Asian lady thing. And, and for me, the most offensive, the biggest offenders of this whole thing are white women. And their, their belief that they've dis, di, disconnected from any of the responsibility of what the past was. Meaning, like, they act like their fathers, their grandfathers, their great-grand... Didn't participate in this institutional racism, which they raged so hard against. Well, then it's also, too, this idea that all white people are equally responsible for acts of racism throughout right. history. It's like... That's not true at all. Well, it's, it's, it's insane. I mean, when I get into debating this with people... And they want to talk about, like, the history of white atrocities. It's like, well, dude, my, my family on both sides are Irish immigrants. So you want to talk about atrocities. Like, my family were uh, – my family. My, my ancestors on my grandmother's side were almost completely eradicated in the Cromwellian conquest, which was essentially the attempt to exterminate Roman Catholicism in, in Ireland. And so th- this is a genocide nobody really likes to talk about because they only lost 600,000 people, which people don't realize is 82% of the Irish population at that time. So, like, it doesn't get taught in American history class, 
Um, but during the famine in the 1850s, when Irish people came over, do you think they just handed us banking, banking jobs and like, oh, welcome to Rockefeller Corporation. Would you like an office? Like, yeah. no. Where do you think we worked? We worked on fucking plantations with black people. Like, so, so this, well, that's this a, yeah, I, requirement to ignore the reality of history just to go like, you're a white person. This is what your opinions are allowed to be. You're a, a sort of Armenian, but we still consider you white. So this is what your opinions are allowed to be. And it's just fucking stupid. Look at slavery itself, man. The, people like to go around here and act like everybody had a slave buddy. Yeah. Like we all got a slave and it's not true at all. The woods 100% as it always is, is the 1%, the equivalent of Bill Gates of those times were the people who owned slaves. The average person did not own slaves. It's, right. it's just factorial. And here's another problem. Well, the other thing, too, the idea that... We, well, just uh, The whole notion is like atrocities that happen within the borders of this country are the only atrocities that matter. And when you look at other races and where they are predominantly the race of that country, they do not look at anything that that group did there. And the war crimes and the murder and the genocide. It's like everybody's got blood on their hands. Where is this magical place that everybody got along forever, all the time, that no atrocities or racial tension or fucking bigotry ever happened? Where is it? Well, the only places that exist that are like that at all, and and this is what I think is hilarious, white people go to places like Haiti and Jamaica, they go, they're paradise, because everybody is poor and the same color. Yeah. There's nothing to fight about. Yeah. You said this to me a couple months ago. You said, dude, like, identity politics is, is is the one percent's weapon to keep poor people fighting against each For other sure. and it's a like when you said that to me it was like a fucking slot machine You're and my welcome. head went off where i was just like god damn that's so true i mean and the funny thing is you talk about the one percent this is the thi- this is the myth of and and when i was a kid in high school i started researching a lot of shit about slavery because i felt like i feel like they're teaching it in a way that's just intended to make white people feel like shit like, there, there had to be some outliers. And interestingly enough, in my research, I come across a dude named William Ellison. Do you know who that is? No. William Ellison was one of the guys who was the original, uh, one was an original cotton gin maker. He learned how to make uh, the cotton gin from the guy who invented it. He was a slave. He was a freed slave. And when his, his, uh, his teacher, he was apprentice under this guy, died, he inherited... His plantation, one of the largest in Carolina. And do you think he just said, like, everybody's free now, fellow black people? No. He became the most violent, one of the worst slave owners in the South, and the largest financial contributor to the Confederacy. So was slavery about racism, or was it about wealth and power? Have you ever heard about Tyler Perry? And how he treats people? Well, yeah. I mean, so you're saying he's the new William Ellison. What I'm saying is like (laughs) this guy walks onto sets and tells everybody, I might pay you, I might not pay you. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. That's what I hear by people who've worked on it. I mean, the, well, the, listen to the shit that Monique down. says about Oprah and uh, and what's his name, um, Lee Daniels. So so Monique gets labeled as a difficult bitch to work with, a problem talent, because when when Precious comes out, she talks about the fact that nobody wanted to pay for them to do press. No, they they made Gabrae Sidibe fly herself to con pay for her own and so monique like paid for her stylist and everything else and she's going fucking oprah and lee daniels are producing this movie oprah's got buckets of deep cash and doesn't go hey young black actress let me pay for you to go promote the film that i'm making money off and so you know it's like 
it, that doesn't surprise me about the Tyler Perry. Well, dude, thing. you know the whole the whole uh, belief was that you could not work on Oprah's TV show if you were more pretty, or you were prettier or thinner. Everybody oh, wow. had to be heavier than her. I didn't know that. Yeah, and yeah. it was. I heard that rumor. Too bad she's out of the game. I'd have a job as an AP. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and then everyone's like, "We need Oprah the run." It's like this is what got you in trouble is by fu- by popularity contest by by just taking these pop culture people and throwing them into shit, and then you wonder why. And it's just like identity politics is ruining everything, dude. It and it's on both sides, you know. Censorship. What well, what I want to get in with you about is the censorship that we see going on the internet yeah. right now. Obviously, Alex Jones is a big part of this. Uh, he's been wiped off several platforms: uh, YouTube, Spotify. Pinterest, which I didn't even know was an issue. Like, he can't sell pictures. What, what, what is Pinterest, by the way? His recipes for, like, yeah. silver iodine. Yeah. Listen here. So the globalists don't want you to have this gumbo recipe. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's directly from Louisiana. Now, what people don't understand is that they really <laughs> wanted to eradicate this guy. He could be on... They, I mean, his, his app now is the third uh, most downloaded app on uh, Apple. Isn't it interesting how... This so you could you could argue Alex Jones politics all day, right? Uh, or or does he even have any, or is it all theatrics? But what happens? There's this weird thing about people, and this is what I found through my controversy is that the people who care about truth will find you. So when you take a guy like Alex Jones and you go, he's getting too strong, we got to shut him down. All of a sudden, people who didn't even know who he was are like. I'm on this guy's fucking team now. Oh, they say he's more popular than ever. He is more. But what you if give that's him power. also his, the plan? What if that's also the plan? What do you mean? From his side? From, if there's controlled opposition, it's called. Okay. Right? He doesn't go after Israel at all on anything. He's always talking about Islamic jihadists. Yeah. You know, like there's things that people are like, this doesn't make any sense. He's apologized for a million things that you're like, why are you apologizing for this? Come out that he's, uh, you know, uh, uh, just a character playing a character. Yeah. <laughs> You know, what a better way to grow the opposition. Yeah. And we've seen it with the CIA overnight. And I'm not saying that he is. This is just let's have a conversation. Uh, you know, what's her name? The feminist that we talked about that was basically a CIA Gloria, asset. Gloria Eldred? Oh. Yeah. Oh, Gloria Allred? Yeah, the, she uh, was a CIA attorney? asset. Wow. Just like Jesse Jackson. J- allegedly. Just like Al Sharpton. Allegedly. You yeah. know? That Glor- he's- Gloria Steinem. Gloria that chick. Oh, Gloria Steinem. Steinem. Okay, yeah. Gloria Steinem. These are all like they controlled the opposition. It's yeah. just interesting because if they really wanted to wipe him off the the planet, they just whack him. They well, they, one they would like they would. He's always talking about them killing Anthony Bourdain. It's like, but you're the guy who talks most about Pedogate. Yeah. Why wouldn't they whack you off? Yeah. <laughs> you're the guy pushing it harder than everybody. I don't think I, this thing you say, I don't think it means what you think it means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You like that? Yeah. Get some nice CIA chick with I nice would, hands. I would love for the government to come in and whack me off unexpectedly. <laughs> for the record, I I don't know if that's a write off. You don't pull your pants off. Yeah, so just ah, you're going to enjoy this whether you want to or not. Oh, you got me, government. This is uh, it's not what I. Expected. What I've also find very interesting is with this with this whole censorship of uh, you're also your friend Gavin. Yeah, uh, they wiped him off there. Now well, Ga- Gavin and I have become kind of kindred spirit. This is the thing that I told you about that's interesting is like the, your people find you like 
the thing that was interesting when my whole deal went down back in May was that a lot of big name comics that I respect like messaged me directly and were like, "Hold your ground, don't fuck it yourself included. Don't don't apologize. You didn't Never do anything apologize. wrong. Like and and like we got your back and and like no like we know that people that care about this shit appreciate you." doing this and standing your ground even if they can't do it publicly because they've got sh- major shit to lose or whatever but gavin was a guy that i kind of found through all that and it's like we we have a very sort of similar life story and a similar situation i, I think it's so funny that twitter takes before him you off. go into that uh, I, tell them the situation because you've yeah, mentioned yeah. your situation yeah, so a couple times. so i got uh i the internet lost their fucking mind back in may because i i logged into twitter on a Friday, it was like Friday, May 19th. I remember the date specifically. It was after the, one, of, one of the most recent school shootings. And I was trying to find information on it. And as I go through all the tweets, it was just like, another shooting by a straight white male. Another straight white male loses his shit and kills a bunch. Of, and it was just like straight white male, straight white male. And so my comedy brain goes in and goes, if you replace this with the N-word, Twitter would look like it's entirely run by Nazis. Oh, yeah. And so I tweeted that straight white males become the new N-word. And that the, the, there's no difference in the way people use that phrase today than the way people use the N-word back in, like, the 70s yes. and shit. So people immediately – and the dictionary.com jumped on this. They're like, it's the most offensive word in the history of the English language. But yet we allowed twelve uh, percent of the population to openly slay, say it flowingly. Well, it's like it's it, again. It's like is the principle that some words need to be deleted, or are we are we just trying to weaponize? And that's the, and the funny thing is, it's like Pavlov's dog theory. I ring that bell, and what happens? Fucking uh, fifty million people on the internet go shut up, straight white male. Yeah, and I go like, you just proved my point. Yeah, you just proved my point that now there's this sort of movement. To now, immediately diminish. Show. No, I didn't lose the show. The show, my TV show was canceled. No, no, no. I'm uh, talking to show at the. Oh yeah, yeah. Side. I had a stand-up show again, The Darkest Hour, which was at a club on the West Side. Um, and what happened was when I tweeted this, people go, "Well, nobody could think this and not be racist." So let's go find all the examples of this guy being racist. So they go back and find a bunch of jokes on Twitter, which are essentially me making fun of racism. And they go, look, he's using these words. He's saying these things. That makes him racist. And so uh, like a handful of people sent it to the club's uh, Twitter. An an unpaid intern who's like a 20-year-old chick reads it, gets offended at all of these tweets, and then goes to the club and says – uh, I, I'll refuse to continue to work here. I have a problem with this place if you keep letting this guy do a show here. By the way, on the show that we do there, for four years, comics have come on and done pedophile jokes, kid fucking jokes, rape jokes, racist jokes. Like, that's the show. The, and this is the thing that's funny is people want to go like, well, everybody knew you as a guy who did – uh, eight food. Uh, eight food, yeah. Uh, so you're not allowed to be an edgy comedian. Oh it's like, dude, God. I had a comedy career for nine years before this. So whether you knew about that or not, I haven't changed. Like, I've never not been this guy. And the network fully fucking knew that when they gave me a TV show. They might have said tone it down, but they didn't say delete everything you've ever done. Right. You know what I mean? And so... Um, and ultimately, they wanted that. Like, they wanted me on the show because I came with a fan base that was built by doing controversial shit. And so it's amazing how the tide kind of shifts, and then people want to go, well, now jokes are, are manifestos about how you see the world. 
and they try to label you with your extreme like you're making extreme jokes and they try to go that's your real opinion it is weird how you can judge people just off looking at him he came through the door and i was like sam didn't tell me he was a ginger yeah and like that's i totally like totally judge gingers when i see him like ugh you're one of the, like the dark, like the, like the Latino, like cherry ones. I'm yeah. like, oh, I wish I was one of the cherry ones, dude. Yeah, but you're a, are you a blue eyed ginger? A green, oh, a greenish yellow? blue. Because I, I kind of I can't really see. I don't but, trust uh, blue eyed people. In no. General, no. Byron Bowler's <laughs> bit about how gingers and the M word are so like they even have the same letters. Yeah. Well, a lot of people have done that. I have that take too. Where I originally I wrote a joke in like 2008 when I was doing all black clubs uh, about how the rules around the N word are stupid. And uh, it was like, it's again, a fighting against this idea that language dis- determines intent. And uh, the, the joke did not work. It always put black people in opposition. <laughs> and so I was like, so I was like, uh, I was like, how do I word this in a way where I can make the same point without immediately alienating the audience? And that's how my ginger bit was written, where I'm just like, you know, we say ginger, y'all say ginger with the hard ER. It's racist. It takes us back to a very dark place. Like, so I think every redheaded comedian has some kind of take on that. But but mine came out of a place of trying to talk about something else and then saying, like, well, how can I make it autobiographical and still make the same point? Yeah, sure. yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we're going to get into some more of the censorship stuff because I think we're entering a very dark place that the left doesn't realize that they're going down because, and I get a lot of trouble for this on this podcast. Like I was saying earlier, we're not on the right, we're not on the left, we're Ronin, we're down the, you know, everything is as each individual basis. Some things I might be a libertarian on, some things, believe it or not, I might be a little socialist on, okay? Let the comments begin on YouTube, okay? <laughs> but I get in trouble with you guys. You guys are always hitting me up going, oh, I talk about how censorship was started by the right on the left. And we kind of talked about this going on the early days. Uh, Great example of the right censoring the left. Book burnings, okay? They weren't burning the Bible. Actually, actually, some people thought the Bible was too liberal, and they made it illegal to read at, at a certain point. They didn't want yeah. you actually to read the Bible. They wanted to tell you it was in the Bible, and they lied to you. But we look at book burning. We look at back in the day when they would get a giant bulldozer, and they would run over records because it was like the, the devil's music, right? That was often The FCC comes from Christian values. Yeah. Right? Isn't that interesting that on cable television, there's no law that prevents nudity or swearing? You know what the law is? The law of greed. Well, but yeah, exactly. So the reason that there's sort of this this gentleman's agreement on cable TV not to show full nudity, hardcore sex, or have swearing is to appease the FCC and advertisers. Yeah, for sure. So it's literally like cable television said, listen, I know we have these rules that allow us not to... Because we're not broadcast open. That's the right. that's the deciding right. factor with the FCC is if you're not actually broadcasting to open airwaves, then they can't censor you the if, same way that they can radio or or public television. But then so the cable TV just went, well, OK, but we still want to play ball to get the money. Yeah, that's exactly. So it. we'll just we'll just lump ourselves into these rules that actually don't apply to us. Yeah, for sure. And Comedy that, Central does it all the time. Yeah. Why can I say that joke? Oh, because you don't want sponsors to get mad. Yeah. Showtime does it, too. Uh, Andrew Santino, another redhead, guys. Another redhead. It's a brown-eyed uh, redhead. He, he did a, he did had a joke about um, acne medicine, and they wouldn't let him do it because Showtime is partly owned by pharmaceutical companies. Ugh. Isn't that doesn't that make you feel gross? The whole thing's gross, <laughs> including acne. I just it's want, disgusting. I just want to isolate. Say the whole thing. 
legs gross. Yeah, that's that. There should be a. And now we got a bunch of dolphins outside. Yeah. Gross. You know I mean? But it's like that. Then we have interracial <laughs> dating. Do you guys know that like like in the nineties, the early two thousands in porn, that porn companies could only do a small percentage of the porn could be interracial because the government said if you do too much fuck too much interracial porn, you're making a statement and it's gonna cause just white chicks banging black guys left and right. They literally may could only be a small percentage of it. I didn't even know that. Yeah, isn't it crazy? That's insane. Interracial dating. But do they how do they measure that? Is it the quantity or is it the the girth or the depth? You're surprised that Sam's a porn historian? No, not that I'm not surprised about at all. <laughs> but know? I just wonder how do you measure how, how much black cock is too much? I, I don't know. I've seen a girl a lot of girls take a lot of it. Listen, and you can have four guys with small dicks or two guys with big dicks but we got it once we hit a mile in terms so of the thrusted dick forward if the government made them measure put down inches <laughs> on each like how much dick is is too offensive yeah see like right now there are people hearing this and they'll go that's racist it's like you're out of your fucking mind I this is it's, any, an yeah. or, it's an organic discussion that's funny uh, that's happening out of this by the way in interracial porn, in particular gangbang right. porn, there is some deep racism. Oh, like this for poor sure. white girl. Look at all these black guys. Oh, she's made some bad life decisions. It's really like a five minute version of Django Unchained yeah. in the sense that it's a revenge story. <laughs> for sure. Like, there's, there, those five guys fucking that white girl did not finish filming and oh, go, yeah. like, I feel bad about this. They're like, good, fuck them. It's our turn today. Today it's our turn. <laughs> today we, we fuck back. They, they all have the, uh, the, the Bill Pullman Independence Day speech with each other before they start rolling. Just today is our Independence Day. Yeah, dude. So you got that. You got, you know, I mean, censorship from the right happened a long time. Now, that doesn't mean I, I, I have a problem with the right because I, I like the right as much as I like the left. Everybody's on an individual basis, man. You know, but now we have the left going after the right. And I don't even know if it's the left or it's just corporations and the elite trying to control the message. Because right now... Yeah, how did it change, Sam? Like, how did it go from religious conservatives trying to censor things, to essentially... Because in a way, that's almost a more organic censorship. At least it aligns with their ideology. Religious conservatism, like, I don't want my kids to see things. I don't want my kids to get information that violates what I teach them. Right. But on the left, it doesn't make sense because essentially you're standing in opposition of everything being a liberal is supposed to be about. So why well, did it change? I don't know what the difference, and I've asked a thousand people to explain, what is the difference between a liberal and a progressive? Like, whatever is the one that is, like, idealistic, I can't stand. Mm -hmm. and, and it's just like, you know what it is? It's these super young people who never really watched any of the old, like, censorship, the old stuff. They hear about it, but it doesn't resonate with them because I wasn't alive then, so I don't give a shit type attitude. And it's just like, what is going on right now? And their thoughts are, it's like, hey, dude, you want to go after the right right now? Just know it's going to come back around because the censorship started with the right censoring the left a long time ago. Oh, yeah. So it's like, it's going to come back around. Once you get rid of all the meanies, right? They're going to come around for you guys. And if you don't think they'll come back around for gay lifestyles, for uh, for women's rights, for uh, interracials, uh, for just minorities, you're crazy, bro. Yeah, I mean, it's because what happens is when you start to form teams on both sides, people stop caring about the principles and they just care about their, their side winning. 
And so they will go after. Well, they'll be like, well, now we don't want. Now we're not. We're taking gay marriage off the table now. It's like eye for an eye kind of shit. You know, it's like you brought up George. Can you bring up George Collins? Like what deadliest words? How many were seven? Uh, seven seven words, words you can't right? say on television. Uh, try to find them. I mean, like that is the right censoring the left. And yes. like now the the left is he went to jail these for that. Words by the way, we can't say. That's the that's the thing that's interesting is like you can't take well, a guy like me. And threaten that you're gonna that I'm gonna be banned that I'm gonna be out because all my heroes had that happen to yeah. them. So all you do in my mind is legitimize Lenny, uh, you legit Lenny Bruce. Lenny Bruce was arrested by the cop. Carlin was with him. Carlin got arrested with him. Seven deadly words. Here they are. These, uh, dude. Look at these words. You can't believe that they were illegal. Shit. Pit. You couldn't say piss. Couldn't on, say piss on TV. You couldn't say pissed off. You want to read them? No. You sound good cussing. <laughs> Shit. Piss. <laughs> Fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, motherfucker, and tits, tits, tits. Yeah. You can now say dick on basically late night network television in reference to a penis. Yeah, because community standards have changed because the left fought so hard for that, those changes. Yeah, and I think that's why all of us, at least our generation, grew up thinking we were liberal because we were fighting against those things. I was like, I don't want churchgoers to tell me what I can say on my podcast. Or or on TV or anything like just change the channel. So how did we go from change the channel being sort of like the all agreed upon ideology when it comes to art and entertainment to now people going that needs to be deleted that yeah. this cancel culture of like if somebody if somebody says something I don't like even sarcastically it they need to go away. Like that's the thing that blows my mind is that we're we're not even we're not even putting an asterisk next to sarcasm. Like if I say something like <laughs> and we, we all know we all know women are whores, right, guys? And it's just like oh, oh he oh. can't say that. It's Dude, like I was I, watching, yeah, it's called sarcasm. I was watching Byron Bowers do a bit about texture of pussy, and you could hear women audibly gasp, oh, oh, oh crunchy pussy, sloppy pussy, <laughs> slimy pussy. Oh, 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 like that's where we've gotten where it's so like anything sexual about women is degrading. It's it's a, oh, but yeah, girls get up like deck, deck, deck. But why are yeah? But why are guys not allowed to have that? Like, why are men not allowed to get together? Like, because I would laugh and I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that girl with a crutchy pussy. Yeah. Like, why am I not allowed to have something to relate to, even if, if by your definition, it's shitty? Wait for the jokes you can relate to or the comic you can relate to. Yeah, and it's just like, are you, you can't tell me to celebrate diversity and then tell me I can't talk about it. Yeah. Right? Are you telling me that gay people don't do funny shit? How come gay guys are the only ones who drive me out us? Why do they think they want to drive It's a very good question. Well, yeah. it's, I, th I think it's practical. It's a two-door car, two-seater. <laughs> okay. You're not going to have children. Yeah. But, but <laughs> right? the point is that the only one's two, keeping you that car You have two alive. incomes. <laughs> Disposable. Disposable incomes, yeah. Like, right? why not a fucking Miata? Right, but is that a homophobic statement? No. It's, it's observation. A, it's observational, right? What and offends and you guys as comedians? Like, I always wonder that. Does anything offend you? I don't Boring shit. Yes. Boring, lame, like, so my wife today said, honey, the garbage. Like, shit like that makes me want yeah, to slip my own throat. Yeah, business artists drive me nuts. Uh, I don't really get offended. Again, I'll go back to this pedophilia by Pat Oswald and all these other fucking guys. They offend me with their hypocrisy. Yes. Uh, hypocrisy offends yeah, me. Yeah, I agree. I do comedy to shine light on hypocrisy. Yeah. That's the whole, that's the whole reason I started doing it. 
was like, wait a minute, this group of people say this is bad, but then they go do this thing. Right. You know? How the, often me, do you find yourself becoming like the side, the thing you hate? Do you see that happening in time for uh, time? Uh, in hindsight, I think the closest I became to sort of uh, being disappointed in myself was um, while I was doing my TV show and, and not, n- sometimes not pushing back hard enough um, about like, you know, tone it down or, you know, I, I, I very much bought into, and, and listen, I, I don't tell my story to be like, Oh, pitiful me. Uh, I'm a victim. I tell my story so that other young comedians that get offered the same golden goose as me have a, a cautionary tale to go. Listen, they're going to tell you that if you just like concede a little bit of who you are, that you'll have all the money and all the shit you've ever oh. wanted. And it's, and it's bullshit. It's not there. I've seen I, I had, it. I had the conversation where one of my producers was like, oh, you know, like maybe this show will go well enough and you'll have such a career here that like you won't even want to do comedy anymore. And I go, listen, if they want to discuss that, let's talk money. Yeah. Like how much? Yeah. F- 50 million? Yeah. I'll take 50 million. I won't do comedy for 10 years. How's yeah. that? Yeah. Like make it worth my while. I know what that's worth to me. I've and been- nobody was like picking up the phone going like, how's 30 million? Like there was no negotiation. They wanted me to sell it my soul for nothing. And I was like, then no. The answer's no. I'm not going to stop doing the thing that, by the way, that you found me because of. Like, you wouldn't have known who I was without it. So, and it's the only thing. I, I like, I left a, a career making good money to do it because it was where my heart was. And it, I was like, listen, man, if I, if I die tomorrow, will, will my last day be spent doing something I enjoy or making somebody else happy? And and that was the decision making thing for me to say like I don't I can walk away from the six figure a year job I'll I'll do gigs I'll do whatever I got to do to make ends meet, which I still do to this day and I never stop doing through my show. So it's like you can't give a guy a TV show that doesn't pay him enough to not need a day job still and go and now give us your soul too. Yeah, <laughs> like no, I've watched comedians who come in and get traction by being honest, gritty, edgy. And then they get picked up by these, and I watch it change. It chisels, and man. And then it just be, I, I'm not even going to say names, but I've watched How many them. of our friends have TV writing jobs, and they're just like, uh, the, most of my friends that I say that are well-known people that came to my aid privately have TV writing jobs. And they're just like, I, can't, I just can't. Yeah, I've and I go, then just, I go, then dude, just don't do stand-up anymore. Just go be a writer. Yeah. Like, live in anonymity. If that's what you really want, then do that. I, I, uh, I, I had a great conversation with a friend of mine, Mike Catherwood. Uh, used to be on K Rock. Now yeah. he does a bunch of shows, and he just was telling me this great story. And he was like, you know, he was talking about this show in particular because Mike listens to it. And he was like, you know, you've created a brand that allows you to say whatever you want. It's very much like, and he was telling me about Adam Carolla and why Adam feels like he can say whatever he wants. And it's a great, great analogy. He's created a pirate ship. Yeah. Yes. You got to create your own pirate ship. Yeah, and I, and I and if there was any lesson I learned out of this is like if we're not all trying to be Adam or Joe Rogan, like where we're all independent of the machine, then then you are inevitably going to be its victim. Yep. Yep, and what it's people like, don't understand it's, it's, just it's not like, about jumping ship, it's about building a life raft. It's about saying like if the sh- when the ship goes down, which it fucking will, will I survive on my own little life raft? And that's what we have to do. And just like the Me Too movement, just like all this censorship that they're doing on Twitter, the left needs to realize it's going to come back for you because every time it does. When we look at the Me Too movement, it was started by hypocrisy. 
in that it was started by the grabber by the pussy video. Grabber by the pussy started. Women got outraged, so they demanded change. They marched. And they they demand that like my body, my right, all that stuff. But what they didn't realize that for, until it was too late is that Matt Lawler put that video out, and Matt Lawler was the guy who had a rape desk. Who would, oh, Matt Lauer? Put, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He'd put a little, uh, uh, he'd hit a button in the door lock like, so the chick could like leave. Like Professor Claw from Inspector Gadget. You just picture him sitting in the rotating petting chair, his petting his cat, like, well, it's either you suck my dick or you go in the fire pit. Right? Like, right? So here we are. Here we are. It's starting to pop. So now, and to be honest with you, I've been seeing videos where everyone on the left is so excited that Alex Jones got uh, you know banned. Well, I saw Jimmy Dore speak up for Alex Jones, even though he spit on him at one point. Yeah. And Lee Camp stick up for him. And for the most part, the real truth seekers have all said, this is a bad precedent. This will eventually be a slippery slope. Jimmy Dore and I have gone back and forth on political shit on Twitter for five years. And when my thing happened, he was just like, I don't agree with the guy, but you can't fucking banish people for having ideas. Yeah. And it's just like, like you can't. Life is not sunshine and blue skies. You can't get rid of the people who speak the truth about the dark side of everything. You just can't ban these people. It's just not real. And you wonder why people's heads explode when something doesn't work out in their life and they have to go to therapy and they have to take medication because they believe in this la-la land of bullshit and it's not real. And here's the biggest problem, man. If you're okay with YouTube, Facebook, all these other places fucking banning him, well, let me tell you something. All these, all these companies got fucking government loans, fucking got infusions of cash from the U.S. government. That means your tax dollars went to help fund and seed these companies. And they grew to what they are now. So our tax money is using to censor us. And they're such a giant part of the marketplace. If I leave YouTube, where do I go? Well, it's interesting you bring this up because we started to talk about this before the show. So... These are institutions that have government subsidy, at the very least government subsidy, which comes from taxpayers. Dude, the, the, the which Facebook so, is CIA funded. And arguably, there's, there's no real legitimate competitor. So at what point do they become public municipalities and at what point are they subject to the same discrimination laws that a utility company is? A cable company. I'm about to have this lawyer on my podcast, a uh, dude named Steve Factor. He's a writer, and he does, like, Red Eye and stuff. I think he's out of New York. But he he's wrote this thread kind of in response to something saying, like, you know, if, if three or four of these people like Milo, Gavin, and Alex band together and, and file a, a case with the Supreme Court that these, um, these businesses are actually public municipalities – then they would have ground, and they could get the Supreme Court to agree to that in principle. Then they have grounds for a discrimination suit to say that, well, because there is no like l- legitimate competitor or, or alternative yeah. to these platforms, it's a, it's a monopoly, and and it is a public municipality because a it's taxpayer funded or yeah. subsidized, yep. and b uh, it, it's used by X number of the population with no competitor. So it is the marketplace. It is the it is the marketplace. And so when you when it becomes that, if if they can get the Supreme Court to agree that and in a way they they sort of have to because Congress already against Mark Zuckerberg said, well, where else do we go? Like so you're saying that you're a private entity and you own people's information or whatever and ultimately you have the ability to sell and exchange that 
at your free will, then if I don't want to participate, where do I get to go? Yeah, and where do con- you go? And he didn't have an Friendster? answer. Yeah, so he didn't have an answer. So if Congress is already leaning that way and the Supreme Court leans that way, then ultimately these companies would have to stop censoring altogether or face uh, face real, real heavy legal ramifications of discrimination. And and the funny thing is, is like, so when Diamond and Silk got deplatformed, where were the social justice warriors calling racism on that? Yeah, nobody did because they're Trump supporting black women. It's unbelievable. It's like this. It's like this complete willingness to ignore the principles behind where you stand on these things just to, to so your team wins, and that's. That's the problem. And ultimately, I think that's what got Trump elected was people were like, wait a minute. What if we blow up the teams? Yeah. What if we put a guy in there that's just going to fuck face fuck both of the teams? Yeah. I think that's why people voted him in. And I think that's why they're going to vote him in again. I mean, dude, think about how comedy went. Just think about what comedy was under George Bush. You could light up power, right? Yeah. Truth to power. Light him up. And then Obama came in, all of a sudden, all these fucking rules came in. Oh, you know, it's like, how many pictures do you see of... of are you, are you tr- talking about one uh, of the newest executive producers for Netflix? Barack and Michelle Obama? Oh, oh what, you, you don't what think about, that's a conflict of interest? Oh, dude, what about what's-her-face that met with um, uh, Bill Clinton in a tarmac? Uh, what's Susan Rice? Yeah. She's on there, too. Yeah. I mean, dude, and... Uh, and, and So at what point, if this is government-funded... And government subsidized, and then there are actual politicians or ex-politicians on your board of directors. At what point do we go like, is Netflix a propaganda machine? Is it a propaganda machine? Dude, mm-hmm. no, look at no more. Look at no further than George on, Soros is on show, the board. Show me the part. Show, so show me like the tinfoil hat of Netflix. Show me the other side. One well, they show do, they do, they, on what Netflix. They do is, they what bury they do it. is they put it on there. But at the end, they slip it the other like every conspiracy show on Netflix ends up being the official narrative. Right. So it's like, oh, look, we got these conspiracies. Like, like when they go, oh, every time they go to Netflix, they're always like, hey, we're taking this guy, this guy, this guy. But they get enough of the people that they say they're not taking that fit the criteria so that no one could go, hey, dude, you're, you're being racist and all that shit. Well, and, and you know, my, my whole tweet thing came from this, this resounding feeling about, like, the attack on, on straight white dudes of, uh, or the exclusion of straight white dudes, primarily because it's more relevant and more apparent in, in our industry than anything else. And, like, you can't tell me I'm wrong – when I when I go oh J- JFL there's, there's going to be like maybe one straight white dude on the entire new faces this year I was wrong there were zero uh, and then uh, on that Netflix like the stand ups thing I go like I guarantee there's not a straight white dude and then Tim Dillon comes on in the end and I go oh he's a straight white dude and then like five minutes in he's like and I'm a gay guy and I was like up oh, there it is by love there's Tim the Dillon. yeah yeah but and, t- Tim's, t- t- Tim's a funny out dude. of this he's been speaking out about it I mean he's honored to be at JFL but he was like this is this is bullshit. I mean, and what it turned into is just like it, what what our industry has become. And and I I wrote an article for Vandal Press on Medium about this. Is like they're turning comedy into the everybody gets a trophy part of Hollywood. Yep. And and uh, you know and and the only way you can allow the marketplace to fall in line with that is if you don't let the star quarterback even play anymore. So and it, if you don't like, think that's exactly what they are saying is that white guys. Are, dominate too hard in comedy. We're like Asians at Harvard, right? You got to raise the fucking. You got to raise the requirements. Otherwise, act- it's going to be all Asian dudes. If they actually look at the white guys they let through, they're all 
fucking uh, uh, um, uh, uh, private schools. Yeah. I mean, dude, what about his, that one guy that did private school Negro? That oh, W. Kamal Bell. So that's an interesting thing. So as a white dude, and again, like this, this is going to come off racially charged. I'm unapologetic about it. <laughs> but as a fucking white dude, I'm supposed to accept that I have a greater position of power in this country than a guy who grew up private schooled who happens to be black. It's the most ridiculous like, thing Meanwhile, my seen. family's all military. We've been poor for generations. And I'm supposed to go, you know what? I need to stop oppressing you. Yeah. I need to stop preventing you from achieving. Like, the argument I'll make with people all the time is like, if America's so fucking oppressive, show me minority prosperity like we have in this country in any other country in the world. Show me black billionaires in Europe, Asia. China, India, they don't exist. They exist here in America. India's so got Indian bi- billionaires. Yeah, but but what's the what's the disparity of poverty with For other Indians? Sure, right. Dude. So it's like so I can't continue to buy this narrative that just there's this continued institution of oppression in this country when we've we've made so many great fucking strides. To, to overturn that. Like because, a guy like dude, Kanye West wouldn't have existed 60 years ago. Listen, they don't. They want enough change in their life, personal life, but their professional life, they want status quo because it's paradigms that everybody's used to. Mm-hmm. And it makes more sense and it's easier to digest. And therefore, everybody wants change privately, but not publicly. And it's just the way it is. And at the end of the day, dude, our biggest strength is diversity, dude. Our biggest strength is that you can come to L.A., you can get in a Middle Eastern taxi, go to a nightclub that plays fucking hip-hop, get in a fucking Uber ramp that's driven by an Armenian to go to a Mexican <laughs> food truck and go home. I've been all over the world, man. When it's homogenized, homogenized, there we go. I had a brain fart right there. It's weird. When you go yeah. to China and it's all Chinese, it's weird. That's why I love when 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 people talk about gun control. Go, it works in Australia. Yeah, because it's the size of the US with the population of Los Angeles and 90% of people are middle class white people. And their like, military <laughs> isn't used as stormtroopers for the rest of the world. Right. So there's no reason for people to hate them. Yeah. yeah. And there's no reason for them to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Is our sons and daughters being sent into useless banker wars so that rich people get richer? Hey, I don't like that. You want to take a lead? You know, we had Abby Martin on, who we love to death. I wish I would have brought this up because she's kind of more like, we got to get gun control. And she's like, well, they have these heart things, that and this. And I love Abby. This isn't a knock on her, but I, I wanted to bring it up. It's like, she's very like... Israel Palestine. I go, well, look at that dynamic. Yeah. Who has the guns and who doesn't have the guns? Right. And how's that fucking working out? And yeah, they may have fucking uh, a gun that gives you a heart attack, but let me tell you, they'll think twice about it if they got walk in somewhere where everybody's locked and loaded. Well, man. It's, it's chicken and egg, too. Like, nobody ever likes to think about the fact that maybe the reason the government hasn't turned on the people or maybe the reason that other countries haven't attacked us is because of the belief that there's guns in every house in this every country. Every House. So it's like people go, the government's never going to attack the people. Well, yeah, because we created a provision to prevent it. 100%. And no, no, no other country's going to attack us. Listen, I think we all know it's not because they don't want to. Yeah. They can't stop fucking talking about it. Yeah. So why don't they? Maybe because of the guns. And dude, look at North Dakota, dude. Those those Native Americans protesting <sighs> the pipeline. What they do? They went up against militarized per- police who pr- did practices on them. Yeah. Send different 
police units in to practice dealing with mobsters with mobs. Yeah. Think about that. Angry dude. mobs, yeah. And they didn't have any guns. Right. Think about those, and you can say whatever you want about those hicks, those white guys who were like trying to protect their land, and the government comes in and they all showed up with guns. And what did the government do? In Portland, Step you're talking back. about, right? Or Step Washington? Back. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying they might be alt right or whatever you want to call them, but look what happens when everybody's locked and loaded. Because the government isn't going to flamethrow the United States because the United States market drives Can't, the entire you, America, the, the entire earth market, the global economy. The global economy. Economy. Yeah, I am all over the place. At the top <laughs> no, it's okay. Okay, it's just it's, <laughs> it's the just truth, like man. Yeah. I'm like yelled at. I'm like, oh yeah, no, I'm drugs. I'm not. I'm just passionate. It's like they're not going to flamethrow us when they hit us in 9/11 and the entire global economy crash. They learned something, they, so they got to do it like in a way. They where test it, it once in a while. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How's this going to react? How, and it's just the truth. Yeah. Uh, so and and so we talk a lot about the motivation like what's the motivation what do you think is the core motivation of the censorship now like what because obviously we talked about the religious right was trying to essentially protect their belief system yeah. in a way protect their control over their own people like you know uh, the megan phelps roper is a great example uh, i just got on the internet and found out everything that we thought was fucking crazy and that's all it took yeah. so you understand why the right for many years was like i can't let my kids see gay porn like oh, sh- they might, want to they might yeah. enjoy it I they mean, might enjoy it but yeah kids, we could stick my we move. just say info wars we forget that it, what it means it means information wars and yeah. like he was saying it's coming it's coming why yeah, do you think they want to censor ryan you know i mean they just don't want us to i don't think there's a they I think it's an AI that's just turned on and they just have certain words that are just no, no sending it after something they're actually going because you have like the great example is that Asian chicks for the the Asian chick for for New York Times. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like that stuff to me is all done on purpose. Why do you get rid of Roseanne and keep her to get people to (laughs) fight with each other? So one of the tweets that everybody got mad at when my thing happened was I was I was I made some comment where I was like, hey, Asian lady at the pool, close your legs. Nobody wants to see your slanty pussy. And everybody's like, that's racist. (laughs) I so badly when the Sarah Jong thing hit, I wanted to be like, guys, I was talking about Sarah Jong. That was her at the pool. And it's all it's it's just open warfare. Yeah, she, I saw her tweets about warfare. I saw her tweets about white guys, and I just I fired back. The fact that a rapper <laughs> can put out a lyric with the M word, and then a white kid who loves that rapper tweet that lyric and get in trouble. Yeah, like the Kendrick know. Lamar thing was ridiculous. It's just stupid. We've yeah. said this in the past, like when you sign a document or you get a deal, that they should take away your Twitter account. Seeing that you've been through that, and you've now looking back, would you have if they offered you, okay, you're gonna get this deal, but you don't get to tweet? How much money are we? talking about well whatever it would take what would it take for you because is what's it would take it would take generational wealth Ah. It would take it would take multi generational wealth for me to go sure and and by the way my plan would ultimately be to use that wealth to buy back that power I'd buy back my own freedom just like our ancestors did yeah I mean so uh, because we there's only one universal source of power in this world and it's money. So, yeah, I, I would have done that because I would have known down the line it would have slipped the leverage scales in my face. But what I wouldn't do is give it away for nothing because I'm not giving myself an ability to fight in the future. Hmm. So and, and by the way, I, I'm very well versed in terms of like uh, like legal contracts and shit yeah. with with entertainment. So uh, I'm very well read. Uh, as Zach Galifianakis would say, uh, but no, I, I so I would have I would have been able to fight that down the line, uh, depending on the way we work the contract. And I have a very good entertainment attorney too. But but yeah, it's like, um, what, what where is the? Yeah, I, I think the problem is now that that there's so much momentum 
that they think they can make us do it for nothing. You know, like you look at, and it's happened a lot, like Melissa Villasenor, everybody pointed out the purge that happened with her when she got on SNL. I went, I, dude, I jump into the fray and I start whack-a-moling people, dude. And yeah. I, and they think they're going to win. And I just sit there and I just, like, dude, I was just going at, the funniest things I go after all these black people that were going after Melissa Villasenor. And then they all started following me and like, I'm a huge fan of yours now. Right. So it's, yeah, that's the thing that doesn't get talked about is like how many black people came to me and they're like, dude, we totally agree. Agree. Yeah. And also how many kids came to me and they're like, I'm a mixed kid, so I'm not allowed to have an opinion about anything. Yeah. It's like, so where do these people go? Like, com- to me, comedy is for outcasts. People who are like, you know, uh, help me relate to the world in ways that I can't. And that's what comedy is supposed to do. And sometimes it's about laughing about the shit you're not allowed to participate in. And and I, I think I, I might have lost a lot of the casual fans of the show, like the, who found me because they like a fat guy eating big sandwiches. <laughs> but I made so many more people that were like, oh, no, we like you as a comedian. Grow, build your pirate ship. Dude. Yeah, man, that's all build you Build your pirate George ship. George Carlin quote, never underestimate the power of stupid people in large groups. Now Very it's time true. for everybody's favorite part of the show. It's uh, it's a classic. It should be interesting to see because we really you did great today. Went well, hard oh, in the buddy. paint, home Aaron, Aaron. Don't be an idiot. A A Ron. Well, you better be sick, dead, or mute. A A Ron. You done messed up. A A Ron. You filthy animal. Aaron, thoughts? Well, obviously, I'm not pro censorship. I work here. I mean, I okay. want you to be able to say all the wackiest shit that you say. Yes. On this episode, not so much. <laughs> uh, I do take umbrage with the idea that George Carlin would be a leader of the alt-right. I don't think that's accurate. Uh, I, I think, think he would take be... a step back and, and fire bombs that none of us would even see coming. He's so he's so brilliant. Okay. I respect um, that. In terms of Alex Jones and iTunes, I mean, I, I understand, you know, you, you have to let all the voices out because they'll start coming back for you at some point. But at the same time, it's like when you're using your voice and you, the people that listen to you are then harassing victims of tragedies. Uh, oh. Yeah, you just you so can't go the there. the Sandy Hook thing is what you yeah. makes it okay for you to do that. No, 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 no. I'm not saying it makes it okay. I'm just saying there's got to be something that's got to be. Yeah, okay. but you can't control your fans. You know, a lot of well, look, at all this, try. look at all the shit people do in the name of Jesus. We haven't outlawed the Bible in this country. Yeah, oh, I know. That's a great point. That's dude. something that the church should also do. I may not agree with what yeah. you have to say, but I'll defend your right to say it. And that's yeah. what the left has forgotten. Great show. Uh, check out your podcast one more time. Implications of Josh Denny. All right, guys. Great show, dude. Appreciate it. Come on anytime, Thanks, man. homeboy. We'll see you in Niagara Falls, everybody. Yeah.